So, Bob, another series uh, is done and out. What's it like to have your life semi back to normal? Well, I loved uh, my commuting to Vancouver. It's a beautiful city. It was great fun to work on the show. Really nice crew, great cast. So last year was a dream. Really enjoyed it. But it's also nice to be uh, back at home uh, more regularly with my family, cooking in my kitchen. And in your basement, I understand, with sweets. Cooking in with sweets in my basement? You're making sweets in your basement, according to your Wikipedia. Sweets in my basement. said so you're a... F- you are a lover of sweets, and you wanted to. You want to when your acting is done, start a, a sweet shop. Is that a lie? I think it's a lie. <laughs> Wikipedia said that. The Wikipedia said that. Well, that's what happens when you have an online dictionary that anybody can can uh, define you on. There's bound to be some bad info. <laughs> I think I like sweets. I have no desire to make sweets. Uh, we should correct the Wikipedia thing right away. <laughs> okay. I like to cook. I definitely uh, cook a lot. Uh, I love to make homemade uh, pizza. Hmm. Uh, and uh, all sorts of things, but uh, sweets, no. I like to eat sweets, but don't make them. Oh, okay. So Wikipedia, you can't be completely perfect, but you're doing very well. Okay. (laughs) You said you enjoyed the commute to Vancouver. So well, I mean, they, I enjoyed being in Vancouver. I was going to say anybody, nobody really enjoys taking a plane, you know, a couple times a week mm-hmm. necessarily. But uh, but it's it's still a manageable trip. You know, it's not too long a flight. Uh, and uh, and as I said, it was a very pleasant place to work. So I I, I enjoyed the experience of working in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You're right. The travel itself got a little old. Yeah. Did you when they offered you the job? Did you specifically say I still want to live in L.A.? Don't put me up in an apartment in Vancouver. No, um, because they uh, the the idea was that uh, Woolsey would not be in every episode. That he would be in uh, I think 14, 14 out of 20. So that so was their that, idea. That was their idea. Oh, okay. uh, well, that was it was. I think that uh, by that time, Joe Malazzi and Paul Muley uh, had known me for five years, and they knew that I had never done a series out of town. So I think they were sensitive to the fact that I didn't want to be out of town all the time. Oh, okay. So that was the proposal they made, and it uh, ended up turning out great. I mean, it mm-hmm. was not, I was never away more than three weeks at a time at the longest. And, wow. And most of the time, I was gone for, you know, 10, 12 days. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Did you expect the show to be done this soon? Um, I expected going in that uh, that the fifth season would be the last season. Really? Uh, that's what I expected. But I have a tendency to, you know, I know how show business is, so I don't, uh, I never assume anything. Uh, while we were doing it, there had been an uptick in the ratings. Uh, sci-fi seemed to be happy uh, in the direction the show was going. The fan base seemed to have accepted Wilsey as a leader, <laughs> against all odds. And, uh, oh, I know, yeah. And, and I thought it—I thought it probably—it it had a shot at a sixth season. I think that uh, the decision was made very precipitously, and I think that caught some of my fellow castmates off guard a little. Yeah, yeah. The word came out, I believe, while they were shooting Infection. Joe came down to the set, mm-hmm. according to Andy Makita. Joe came down to the set and laid the news, and everyone was just like, "Oh." No, and I missed that uh, just by a few hours because I remember I was informed by my driver, Larry, who just picked me up at uh, Vancouver Airport because I had come in that day. So the news broke on the set probably while I was in flight. And, uh, oh. and so I got the word, and then Joe very kindly gave me a personal call uh, late that afternoon at the hotel uh, so that I would hear from him. But, of course, you know. 
the transportation department and the wardrobe department. If you want to know anything about any production, you know, <laughs> you, you don't have to go to the production office. My first choice is usually uh, wardrobe, and uh, and then makeup and then transpo, and then you get then you get all the skinny. That's my dog barking in the background. I apologize. Shut up! <laughs> Thank you. Hey guys. Come on, buddy. Let's introduce the dogs. Come on, bud. Come on. Come on, Lola. Here's little Lola. Lola's a rescue. She's kind of a mutt. We know that she's three different dogs in one. We don't quite know what three dogs. She looks kind of like a Georgia O'Keeffe painting, don't you think? <laughs> or, or a Taco Bell uh, pitch girl. But she's a very sweet animal, a good licker, good licking, very good licker. And then Buddy. And then there's Buddy. Here comes Bud from off camera. Buddy is uh, perhaps the fattest chihuahua on record. We, we read that a, a chihuahua is supposed to be 9 pounds. Buddy is pushing 15. So he's kind of the Jackie Gleason of chihuahuas. <laughs> he has to go to the, the tall and fat chihuahua shop when he buys a collar. <laughs> but he's a very sweet animal and we love him very much. He's also a good licker. You said early on that you and Joe had a fondness for dogs. Yes, we do. We do have a fondness for, um, for dogs. Joe has, I believe, four now. Yeah, I know. And they're beautiful. And, and he's, a, he's a real purebred dog. Yeah. Buddy's a purebred, but Lola is definitely a mutt. Oh. But they're, they are very, uh, they're good animals. They came to Vancouver a couple of times. Really? You brought them? Very much, yes. You put them under the seat in front of you? Uh, yes. Uh, well, actually, when they came up together, um, Buddy got to fly in the cabin, and Lola had to be in pressurized cargo because she's a bit of a barker. Oh. So, yes. They had to put her out. Yes, um, and of course, the day we flew home, I believe we were detained at the airport four times because apparently there is someone on the no-fly list who has a similar name to me, minus one vowel. You're so kidding. I kept saying, "Is the guy who's not supposed to be flying on the plane was he on Star Trek too?" Because <laughs> if you want to confirm my identity, you could turn on the Spike Channel at two o'clock. It's a great way to know who I am. But, but apparently, Homeland Security either doesn't doesn't watch sci-fi or they just they won't admit it they just don't have a sense of humor about it <laughs> they don't have a sense and i understand that you know security is not something you can have a sense of humor about mm-hmm. hey how about that plane landing i yesterday? know the u.s airways plane in oh New York. my god that pilot what a hero just incredible what a hero i just I, what a what an inspiring story that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really he is the tom paris i tell you the tom paris <laughs> of u.s airways <laughs> intrepid <laughs> Who do you keep in touch with from the Voyager, Voyager oh, cast? Robbie, lots. Jerry? I talked to Robbie yesterday. Very good friends with Robbie. Talked to uh, Ethan Phillips today. Yeah. Very close with him, with Tim, yeah. with Kate, certainly. Kate I see Mulgrew. Kate whenever I go east because Kate lives in New York oh, now. Okay. And, uh, and I've seen, uh, and I saw Roxanne probably six, six seven months ago. Okay. Um, I'm a little out of touch with Jerry because, you know, Jerry got married oh, and had a baby. Yeah. I haven't seen Jerry in about a year and a half. Her second child now. Wow. Yeah. And who did I leave out? And Garrett. Garrett, I see. Uh, I saw Garrett as recently as two weeks ago. There was the memorial service for Major Roddenberry. It was a very, very lovely event. She passed away? Yes. I didn't know that. She passed away. I had no clue. She passed away, I think, December 18th. And there was a lovely memorial at uh, Forest Lawn for her. And I saw many of my old uh, companions from the other franchise, we call Mm. it now, because this is a Stargate website we're speaking on. That's right. So I refer to my old job as the other. <laughs> you know, I'm still waiting for you and Jerry to get your act together and record an album. That would be great. Because it was so good. You know, someone to watch over me. Mm-hmm. I first put it in, as, uh, first aired on UPN. I was like, what the heck is this? And I <laughs> fell in love 
with the doctor falling in love with Seven's that was, story. That was a very sweet story. And that was one of those episodes where I read the doctor starts singing You Are My Sunshine, and I went, Oh, oh no! Uh, how am I going to pull this off? This has got to be. And then, of course, we had to pre record it. Mm-hmm. And, and I heard Jerry singing, and I went, Oh, she has a sweet voice. Mm-hmm. And we, sang our little harmony and all that and I still was unconvinced and then we shot the scene and remember Robbie McNeil uh, mm. directed that episode yes that's right and uh, and I just thought that he really captured that moment that mm-hmm. that uh, the the quintessential moment of uh, between uh, um, two friends two colleagues mm-hmm. uh, sort of a teacher student relationship when when something else happens, there's a little glimmer of something happening. Yeah, while well, he's watching her sing, and it's like, oh boy, I know. <laughs> this is not a computer program anymore. No, this is not a, person. a computer program anymore. He's yeah. sweet, sweet on his student. It was a very, it was a very nice uh, episode. Yeah, I just worked with Robbie again, although uh, as a producer, he's the supervising pro- producer on Chuck. Right. So I worked on that uh, just a couple of weeks ago, which was great, great fun. I really enjoy that show. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's really Zach good. Levy, funny guy. Yeah. And also another uh, sci-fi giant, Adam Baldwin from Firefly yes. is in it. He's terrific. Uh, it was really a, a, a nice experience. Perfect. So I enjoyed it. Buddy's getting a little restless. Buddy wants to talk a little about him. Do you have a question for Buddy? Uh, what's it like living in this great home? Um, well, what is it like? Buddy's been on a diet, so he's a little cranky, <laughs> you know? He, whenever you're eating something that looks good to him, and, and frankly, everything looks better than his, you know, uh, royal Hawaiian uh, chihuahua food, which is a very good chihuahua food, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, he gives you what we call the angry Elvis look, where he kind of curls his lip up like, oh, what you got there? What you having there? Mm. You have to keep the dog separate when they eat? How do, how do you deal um, with that? We have to pick the cat food up, because Buddy will eat all of the cat food, yeah. anything other than his food. So... Uh, but he's, he's a little chubby, and we want Buddy to have a good, long, healthy life. So we're trying to get him to look, drop a couple of pounds. You and I on the Midway were talking about Lifeline. Uh, and you shared a, a story credit on that, I believe. Oh, You know, uh, another yes. marvelous episode. I was just uh, bummed. I forgot we were on the Midway together. That's yep. what I was that slow. Yeah. Um, yes, Lifeline was another uh, a good show. Dealing with, I mean, another one of those key relationships in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just talked about. Someone to watch over me being a you know, teacher falling for a student. Lifeline was uh, you know, father-son drama. Approval. Through the prism of, a, uh, mm-hmm. of an engineer and his uh, um, artificial intelligence offspring. <laughs> cute, cute uh, a, a good story. It sounds very cute when you put it that way. <laughs> well, that's the art of the pitch. The art of the Hollywood pitch. Think about this story. Here Picture it, it. A father and son. A father and son, except dad is an engineer... And the little guy is a computer program. What do you think? <laughs> a program that can learn and adapt and uh, yell back. What was the, how was the day-to-day goings-on at Stargate different from um, the other sci-fi shows that you've been on? Um, I was think it easier? There, yeah. was it? Oh, no, definitely easier. There was sort of a, a, a relaxed kind of a seat-of-the-pants feeling that I really enjoyed on Stargate that you could... You know that that you could be a little loose and have an idea and ask to tweak a line and all mm-hmm. that, and it was pretty much taken in stride. Uh, now, remember, well, remember, you know better than I do. Star Stargate is contemporary. Yeah. Star Trek is set in the future, and there's sort of more rules that uh-huh. have been established in the Star Trek canon for 
language and for avoiding, you know, sort of present-day colloquialisms as much as possible and things like that. You don't want to, you don't want to ever set Star Trek, yeah, in the immediate present as far as right. uh, expressions and stuff like Get that. Get the so, picture, come again, you know. Yeah. So, so I understand why they were quite, you know, specific about lines uh, being as they were written. But having had that experience for seven years, it was nice to be on a show that, that you know, it was a nice transition to feel like mm-hmm. uh, things were, you know, were a little more uh, easygoing. And mm-hmm. uh, if I ad-libbed a joke, I actually got uh, uh, thanked for it rather than uh, <laughs> galled on the garbage and said, we phone all of our jokes in seven days in advance. That's how we do spontaneous here. <laughs> if you have a spontaneous idea, please call us the previous Tuesday. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It couldn't have been. No, 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 no. But they, they did like to... They, we, if you had an idea on the set, um, you had to call the office. Oh. It was a change. And, you, uh, and the best you got really was uh, permission to shoot it two different ways. Okay. You know, they we'll were very, try it. Yeah, they really wanted to see the way they wrote it. Was and there a- more often than not, they were right that the way they wrote, the way they wrote it was the better way to go. But... But uh, I, I learned the protocol, and I would, if I had jokes uh, that I wanted to suggest, I called three or four days in advance. Wow. And the great thing is they magically appeared in the blue pages when you got the rewrites and all that. Suddenly, ooh, there's an asterisk. Oh, there's your joke. What a machine Star Trek had to have been. I mean, it was technically going on for at least seven or eight years by the time that you were brought in. But in some ways, that so much of it was established 25 years before. Mm-hmm. You know, that must have been just a monster stepping, take, putting your shoes into the, the cement of this new show yet. Well, it's, 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 uh, it has its pluses and its minuses. Yeah. The plus side, of course, is that the fan base is there waiting for your show to premiere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you do your job, they're very anxious to do theirs and, and mm-hmm. watch it. And, and uh, you know, they, if they embrace the show, there's a nice feeling there that you've been accepted and that mm-hmm. the show will have a life. So that's the upside to having that that uh, history and that kind of responsibility, mm-hmm. if you will, of, of, a, of a long-standing mm-hmm. uh, franchise or canon <laughs> that, you, that you do have to obey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then also the fans complain when you... I mean, the, one of the problems with the last series, Enterprise, because it was a prequel, is that there was a certain amount of complaints that they were, you know, that they were violating the canon of Star Trek. Yeah, there, this Enterprise was never mentioned, you know? <laughs> well, it's not a Federation ship. Oh! <laughs> nitpickers unite. <laughs> Jeez. Huh. Does Stargate's... We keep on going back to Stargate. Stargate. Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Does Stargate's cancellation allow you to do more guest starring roles than you had a chance to do while you were on the show? A chance to play more diverse characters? No. How are you looking at this? I'm sure you're trying to find positives in the cancellation. Yeah. It's very nice to have a steady job. There's no no doubt about it. I was disappointed um, when when the show uh, wasn't picked up. Uh But... uh, as I said, the upside is uh, spend more time at mm-hmm. home. I have been able to guest star on more things. I'm able to do uh, independent uh, film projects. I've done. I want to talk about censored. Yeah, I've done two just since Stargate ended. But I've yeah. done a number. Uh, I did a, a lead in a film right before Stargate began. I literally left censored, and uh, within 48 hours, I was on camera for wow. for uh, for Atlanta. One of the great things about. Uh, being an actor is that you lead many vicarious mm. lives. You get to play a number of different characters. If you uh, are lucky enough to work in all media and go from theater mm-hmm. to, uh, to television to movies or whatever, you get uh, 
also the, the different rehearsal process involved. Mm -hmm. You know, creating a role on stage is a very different animal than mm -hmm. creating it um, on film. And, and creating a role uh, in an ongoing series is a very different animal than creating it on film or on stage. So it's the, the challenges of working uh, in the different media and working on very different characters is what I think uh, what an actor's life blood mm -hmm. is. So yes, there is an upside to not having steady employment. The downside is that uh, you don't have steady employment. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I remember Jack Black saying, and I'm sure he didn't originate it, but uh, if you get one in 20 auditions, you're doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. you know? So oh, sure you must is. be doing pretty well. It's a num yep. <laughs> it's a, it is definitely a, it's a numbers game. Yeah, yeah. So at this point in your life, um, what kind of projects do you look out for in wanting to do, and which ones do you stay away from? You know, is there anything that you won't do at this point? Be it like work with a certain person or, or a certain character that you won't play. I would. I am very interested in doing a theater role. I haven't done a major stage role now in a little over two years. So that's something I'd like to look out for. Um, I had the opportunity. I was offered a musical six weeks ago. A musical, and it was a supporting character. And the show was funny. I just always have to weigh... Uh, the amount of time, and whether I yeah. think that there's something in particular that I can bring to that yeah, role. is it worth it? Yeah. Uh, so, um, so I, but I, I really would love to do a, a play in the near future. Um, I've enjoyed doing these sort of quirky uh, roles in independent films. I've done two horror movies recently, uh, one of which we wanted to talk about, mm -hmm. Censored, which I will be doing the. Uh, the voiceover work and the looping in, in the next 10 days. Uh, very excited about that. I've seen the, uh, uh, you know, I saw the, uh, virtually the final cut of the film. I think the director tweaked it a, a couple more minutes uh, after the one I saw, but I'm uh -huh. really pleased with how it turned out. And I play a very um, interesting character. Yeah, a children's storybook author, I believe, named Wade. A children's storybook author whose day job is uh, a being a coercive techniques expert for the CIA. Oh, so really? As someone in his suburban basement that he is uh, basically controlling and trying to brainwash and, in effect, torturing in subtle ways. And then partway into the story, you start to wonder whether Wade really is a coercive techniques expert for the or, CIA or just thinks he this is. is. This is the way so. that he's convinced himself that this is okay. Yeah, and at the oh, same wow. time he's writing children's books. It's that <laughs> odd neighbor down the street in the sweater vest who has someone strapped to a table in his basement. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite log line I made up for the film is, if Hannibal Lecter worked at your local Jamba Juice. <laughs> anyway, it's a cool role for me. <laughs> Very cool. Did someone offer you this, or was this something yes. that you said, I want that? You no, know, um, wonderful casting director named Jeff Pissero who had cast me in uh, the last play I did that I just mentioned over two years ago which was a very demanding Arthur Miller play called Broken Glass um, he recommended me to the filmmakers and they knew of my work primarily from uh, I think Star Trek but it was it was really his commitment that I was the right guy mm. I uh, I had like a long phone conference with the director and the producer, but never even met them before I went up to oh, start. Oh, okay. So it was risky, uh, but, you know, it was risking 
18 days of my life, about three weeks, you know, of total immersion. Mm -hmm. Well, if you fall in love with the script, you know, take a chance. <laughs> Absolutely take a chance. I knew I was about to start Stargate. I knew yeah. I had a... Uh, so that so that the fact that it was a small budgeted movie and all that it was only mm -hmm. it was just like going to acting camp. Mm -hmm. I literally lived in the house where most of the movie takes place <laughs> in a little uh, kind of a mother-in-law apartment in the basement. So it was like total immersion filmmaking. Wow! You wake up and in walking to the bathroom, I pass the makeup table, <laughs> and uh, I bought myself a, a used exercise bike so that the moment the 12-hour shooting day was over, I could work out, take a shower, eat, and go to bed. And then mm -hmm. get up and do it all again the next wow. day. So it was, it was, it was full time work. No. <laughs> now you're not a method actor. Are, do I you don't. Think... I mean, I think that uh, most American actors uh, obviously study um, the uh, study method acting and the Stanislavski mm -hmm. uh, inspired school of mm -hmm. of, uh, of acting. So it's. I think all Americans are. Are trained in that mm -hmm. tradition. However, I uh, I was very impressed when I was an acting student with a wonderful actress named Estelle Parsons when she came and lectured at my theater school, Circle in the Square in New York, where she called herself a text actress. And we said, well, what does that mean? She said, well, I, I, I read the text carefully, I comb it for clues, but my main job as an actor is to figure out how my character fits into the whole and how best to serve the text. Mm -hmm. And I love that description. Of it's not about me. It's, it's about the story. Yeah, it's about the story. It's about, you know, exploring the words and finding out what your, how your character functions in the story, what he wants. It's, also, it's basically asking the same questions, but from... But, but starting with the larger picture mm. and digging in rather than starting with yourself as an actor and kind mm -hmm. of working out you know this is what it, what do I you know what do I want what do I need how am I going yeah. to get it what are my obstacles how do I feel about being stopped mm -hmm. by that so starting instead of starting the, the starting point being your gut it's like mm -hmm. looking at the hole and working your way inside it I, I that appeals to me more mm -hmm. as an actor and always had doesn't mean that I don't use uh the you know method acting exercises or some of the things I studied uh, when I'm having trouble with a with a particular with especially in, in theater work with with reaching a, a particular moment mm -hmm. you know finding a way to do something you fall back on that on, on well you all just those techniques. you hear about I mean I think a great recent example is Heath Ledger you know playing the Joker and how it's rumored that he got inside that character's head and lost himself in it. When you approach a character like Wade Milton for Censored, do you ever ask yourself, hmm, maybe I'll take this too far? I, I didn't... I mean, there's some very disturbing things I have to do in the movie, and it was very upsetting to me to do them, to be part of them. And I took great care of my fellow actors, because there are at least three actors that I'm doing terrible things to in the movie. So my goal as a performer was to watch out for their safety as much as possible. Because some of the things, we're simulating some dangerous things, and there's a certain amount of danger in simulating. Mm -hmm. So I was very careful, and that was the way I made myself feel better mm -hmm. as Bob, the person doing this, was to make sure that they were safe 
and that I, in between takes, comforted them as much as possible, which means I completely broke character between takes. Yeah. And that was the only way I could get through it. Had I yeah. tried to stay in it, A, I wouldn't Creepy. have felt as safe <laughs> with regard to them, and B, it might have become it might have become too difficult, too much. Yeah. Uh, there was the play that I mentioned, uh, the Arthur Miller play, Broken Glass, when I was doing that, just as another example. Mm-hmm. My character is so troubled that he is making himself physically ill. The way he's led his life, and he's so blocked in certain ways that he's mm-hmm. developing physical, you know, heart symptoms. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a heart attack about to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and working on that play, I literally would come home and feel sick from trying to simulate find, you know, the, the way the character starved himself off yeah. from breathing. When he got upset, he would stop yeah. breathing almost. And, and I had to have two heart attacks in the second act of the play. And that's a journey you would have to go <laughs> down every night. Yes, but curiously, once we were performing it, it uh, this the feeling of sickness that I took him went away. When I went through the whole arc of the performance in a night and got it, and, and you know, went through the whole journey and got it over, then I felt cleansed leaving the theater. It was really in rehearsal, depending on what part of the play you were you were working on, you were kind of blocked <laughs> at that mm-hmm. point um, in the character's journey. You kind of went home with all that baggage, and I didn't find that as much when I was in performance. Wow. When can we expect to see Censor? You told us it was filmed um, with the red camera, so a, it's got it's got some uh, It is the first uh, feature to complete principal photography with the red camera, the amazing mm-hmm. new 4K uh, digital camera that has a great filmic look other, other there, there's been a movie that's already premiered with the red that must have shot after ours but we finished principal about 11 months ago and uh, and the movie is uh, has been picture locked for about a month now the sound design and the score is just finishing I'm, I'm expecting the movie to be delivered in, uh, in the next uh, four weeks oh great thereafter they have a, a distribution offer uh, from uh, one of the um, one of the sort of major small companies, but uh, which I won't name because I don't think it's good to, because it isn't it isn't set yet. It's it's mm. uh, it, they got the offer on the strength of the trailer and how cool it is, and pending the quality of the whole movie, they had that offered it wow. to, to weigh versus others. But I am very optimistic that the movie will not just get a DVD release but have a feature release. Uh, theatrical release you don't know uh, no don't know yet but I will we'll, we'll break the story here on okay. Gate World alright okay <laughs> I look forward to it I was very I'm not kissing your ass here I was very impressed when I saw the trailer I didn't know what to expect I logged onto the website the, the noise in the background was a little irritating but once we got past that to the mm-hmm. trailer uh, I was blown away it was well. Thank you. I encourage uh, your watchers to go to www.censoredthemovie.com. Also, I'm uh, I'm doing something fun uh, on the internet elsewhere. I'm playing uh, uh, in some sketch comedy pieces on a website called acmebrandcomedy.com. Uh, right now, I'm I'm playing a uh, an Italian gigolo named Alfonso who gives advice to the lovelorn. Uh, who is uh, very self-involved, and uh, oh. <laughs> it's uh, great fun. So I encourage your viewers. Uh, in fact, maybe you'll even link to Acme yeah. Brand Comedy. They're taking it. They took a, a short uh, hiatus. They were premiering a new piece of comedy every day of the week for about six, seven weeks 
wow. prior to um, their holiday break. If you type in Ask Alfonso, you'll find five different vignettes of me as the, uh, as the Italian gigolo who thinks he knows everything about women. Oh, gee. And is very proud of his organ. It's a little, it's a little off color, but I think if you're over, I think if you're over twelve or thirteen, it's okay. You're okay. <laughs> okay. Has the economy made it more difficult to find work recently? Oh, um, well, a certain there, there are at least um, two independent films <clears throat> that I was uh, going to do, uh, where they, uh, uh, they said, uh, well, we're going to get started in a couple of months, and then they you never hear from them again. Oh, it so petered out. Some things are. Uh, some things uh, are falling apart because mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, interruptions in, in their financial pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I think that's, I think that's true. I, I've noticed that kind of uh, across the board, things are being either, uh, you know, just pushed off into the future mm-hmm. or indefinitely postponed to see if it, you know. So, hopefully, and also, you know, with what's happening with my union... There's a oh, the Screen Actors decision. Guild. Yeah, yeah. We've, it's a bit of an iffy time. Okay. It's a good time, I think, if you are interested in sweets, to open a sweet shop in your basement. <laughs> and had the Robert Picardo that apparently uh, on uh, Wikipedia's uh, page is interested in making his own sweets and selling them, now would be a good time to be that guy. <laughs> okay. Bob, if you could go back and spend time with any of um, the previous roles that you've done, which would you go back and, and, and spend more time with? Which would you choose to go back and revisit? Not just Woolsey, because Woolsey is, you know, we've got the movie coming out. Right. Woolsey will have a future. Um, that's interesting. You know, there was a time during Voyager when we thought, well, maybe the characters will have a future life if, uh, before they... I never really thought that they would... Um, that they would take the mantle of the Stargate the start. I did it again. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Go back. Um, I never really thought that the mantle of the Star Trek movie franchise would fall around Voyager. I didn't think the show mm-hmm. was popular enough. However, there was some talk that they would start combining the casts, yeah. at least do one film where they would pluck the more popular characters yeah. from, from two or three of the different uh, installments of the franchise and, and make that kind of a special forces type thing. Mm-hmm. So there was, a, there was a time when we entertained the notion that those characters may live again. Now, I think if you want to see the Doctor on Star Trek, you've got to go see uh, Star Trek The Experience in Vegas, which I understand has left the Vegas Hilton and has found a new home on the old strip. It's, it's now continuing? Uh, it's, it's now back continuing in service on again? the old strip. So it, it, it wow, hasn't re- okay. it'll reopen uh, in the spring around the time the movie's okay. coming. I went and so, saw it last February. I man, that was cool. It was cool, and I was sorry to see it go, but apparently it will live again. But that's yeah. probably your best shot of seeing <laughs> seeing <laughs> the doctor. doctor. You know, we we were talking to you several years ago, just down the street from the Paramount lot. Oh you yeah, said, I remember. I think Star on your birthday. Mm-hmm. I think Star Trek will rise again, and oh, yeah. it certainly did. You now, were Star right about Trek that. Star Trek is going to be back, and that's good. You know, it's not only good for. Star Trek is a brand name. Mm-hmm. I always think that when an icon of science fiction kind of comes back, it's it's like when Batman comes back, and you go, "How great!" It you reinvents know, it's itself. Like the, the, yeah, the 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 legend has been reinvented, and it's got a whole new audience. And it's mm-hmm. you know, Batman is as hot mm-hmm. or hotter than he's ever been. So it doesn't mm-hmm. take anything away from 
the other Batmans, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the success of Star Trek doesn't take anything away from the other, you know, the other uh, installments, the other movies, the other, mm-hmm. you know, all the other characters. It's a good thing for everybody. Do you think it was good that Atlantis uh, ended its series run and is now doing television, or do you think, as, and is now doing DVD movies, or do you think it's too early to? It's too early to say. Um, I am confident they will make the first movie. They've made the announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't picked a time yet. None of the actors have been contacted yet. But I believe that they intend to do it. And I believe even the Sci-Fi Channel has made some sort of yeah. Mention. They're gonna. I think they're gonna run it. So um, I do believe it will happen. I hope it's a great success. It would be wonderful if they, you know, if if. Uh, once or twice a year, we could, be, you know, you could, you could be a Stargate fan watching Stargate Universe and get your, you know, weekly mm-hmm. fix of new Stargate. But you could still keep abreast of the uh, of the other, uh, you know, Stargate franchise, yeah. franchise uh, with, um, you know, with sort of yearly installments. Uh, the SG One movies have been wildly successful, yeah. way beyond uh, studio expectations. Mm-hmm. So I think it's. Uh, I hope that that bodes well for Atlantis. Mm-hmm. When Amanda Tapping moved on to Sanctuary, and good for her, <laughs> you know, eleven years with Carter, good for her. You yeah. know, I can't, we can't, none of us can blame her. You no, know? she needs and then to. She's got a hit too. Exactly good for her. Um, shooting with the red camera. Um, yes, and why do you think that happened? Because <laughs> you told her. Why is Sanctuary shooting on the red camera? I think the red camera should make me a spokesperson. If you're out there and you have anything to do with the manufacturer. Manufacture of the red camera, you may want to call me, Bob. That's right. I am very responsible for the success of your product. Mm-hmm. Not so much with making sweets in my basement. <laughs> but if you check Wikipedia and Robert Picardo on the red camera, I think we go together. <laughs> but when when she did move on, that that was obviously a void. The leader of Atlantis, and I remember Joe setting it up on his blog, saying that we're going to make an announcement soon. And I turned to Darren, who also runs GateWorld, and I said, they're gonna, they've got Bob Picardo. They've, they've got to. Despite the fact that at that point, and I kind of s- still do to a certain extent, I'm not sure that Woolsey was... Obviously, that character was not designed. If you look at heroes and only mm-hmm. heroes, that character was not designed to lead Atlantis. You know, no. He was given much more of a soul in inauguration. You know, and then when he came back in, in seasons eight and nine, they really added some depth to the guy, and it made kind of sense for him. He wasn't exactly the leader type. Mm-hmm. He was he was the hatchet guy, like you put it. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you got that offer to come in and lead the team, did any of that occur to you? Did oh, any of that run through your mind? Absolutely. I mean, I I I said to Joe on the phone, I don't quite see how. <laughs> yes, really, I, I'd love to work on the show. Yeah, um, I love doing the show, but I don't. You know, the way we've set him up. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to remain true to what you've. Mm-hmm. But then I, after I hung up the phone, I thought, well, that you know, but what a fun challenge for an actor to yeah. take someone who is not, who is you yeah. know, who's completely a theory guy, uh, you know, a conference room guy, and try to put him in the real situation, mm-hmm. and have him try to build himself into a leader. We got an awful lot of people, uh, especially in this economy, starting new careers in their fifties. Why? Why not Richard Woolsey? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, he was a, uh, you know, he was not a very nice guy. He's a, uh, you know, he's kind of, I don't know. For example, let's put it this way: my tie, incidentally, which Bill Nye gave me, it says "beneficial insects." Beneficial insects 
uh, control pests and provide food for other critters, such as songbirds. That's what it says inside my tie, which features beneficial insects. I propose to you that Richard Woolsey turned out to be a beneficial insect. <laughs> okay. You never thought it, and when you saw him in the scourge, when he was running away from all those digital bugs, that he himself was a bit of a digital bug himself. <laughs> and he turned out to be beneficial to the other critters on Atlantis. Well, I'm sure Joe and Paul were thinking, this is an arc that we could do with this season. Mm -hmm. Let's put this guy in, well, in yes, the first couple not... of episodes, yeah. make him look like, okay, Shepard and the team are really going to have a hard time with this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, but then... As the series, as the season goes on, you know, he comes to bat for them, you know, once or twice, and it makes more sense mm -hmm. that he's, Shen Xiaoyi is now where he used to stand, and now he's kind of doing one of these numbers that Hammond used to do, like, this is not as easy as I thought. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, one of the reviewers, as you know, in all science fiction, there are a lot of opinions out there, and you have yeah. a lot of blogs, and a lot of, and... And one of them was very kind to me personally as an actor, but said uh, that um, it's, it's I, I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but it was something like, it's been fun this season watching the journey uh, of Robert Picardo as Richard Woolsey developing into a leader. It's been a, it's been mm -hmm. a fun ride if somewhat unbelievable <laughs> that they didn't quite uh, believe that that guy turned into a leader but they still liked watching me yeah. uh, you know create that arc and you know frankly if that's the, if that's the worst thing you know I, I can that live ain't it. too bad it ain't yeah, too bad that's right so at least they tried something bold they tried putting a guy they, they put a guy in there who would not have necessarily been everyone's first pick mm -hmm. you know no, absolutely so also we just I, I, I said that we we just came out of eight years of having, you know, bureaucrats running the military and saying, you know, here, let's let's fight this war and all that. And you realize that bureaucrats running the military is not always such a good thing. So I think that uh, mm -hmm. that was another another lesson we could mm -hmm. re-examine with the ascendancy of Richard mm -hmm. Woolsey. Mm -hmm. What uh, about season five? What do you think uh, were some of this year's best shows from from your perspective, uh, which met your expectations, and which ones do you feel? You you personally feel bombed or didn't do so well. Well, that's that's tough. That's tough to say. First of all, it was great fun to see my friend Bill Nye on yes. the Brainstorm. Um, that was a great. That was a fun show for a mm -hmm. for a you know an off an off Atlantis show. That that mm -hmm. was a great fun. A lot of humor in it, and of course, great surprises in the casting. Having Neil deGrasse Tyson in and all that was just wonderful, I thought. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt proud because Bill was my pal and I kind of helped. Uh, I, I remember talking to Martin Garrow and saying, sure, I'm sure he'd love to do the show. So I was happy to see that. And well, he's got, a science he fiction fan. Taught. He's a big sci-fi fan. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I also thought that Robert Cooper's show just turned out Vegas. great. Vegas, yeah. It was an extremely moody, very well shot mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. Really cool. I know it took some extra time and a little and a few extra bucks to make it, but I thought it really was worthwhile. Mm -hmm. yeah. I personally loved the episode Remnants. I, I thought the story was very classic sci-fi. Yeah, it was great. It was really great. The way the three stories that were completely unrelated all dovetailed. I thought it was very clever. Mm -hmm. And I personally loved what I was given to do. The the kind of I, I why you know I'm the only person who hears that 
that lovely British woman. Yeah, that that gave me some nice comic opportunities, but also had a nice little emotional punch at the end. So that was uh, that was probably my favorite one personally mm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to do, you know, I love having carrying the uh, some humorous moments in the middle of a basically a sci-fi action drama. It's, yeah. it's fun to do the to get to do the the uh, the lighter moments. Yeah. If I had any regrets, I wish I'd had. Um, I, I I I really wish I'd had more scenes with uh, Ronan. I That's what you said fun. early on. You were it'd be hoping. great fun because we're natural opposites. Opposites, and I thought that would be cool to do more stuff with him. Um, I thought it would be uh, it would be fun to do some sort of a bottle show with uh, Doctor McKay because. Um, I think that he could bring out some of Woolsey's more annoying characteristics. <laughs> I think they would—they could be—they uh, could really get on each other's nerves yeah. too. And I also thought it would be great fun to do a, a show with Joe, where he and I were kind of uh, isolated together, mm-hmm. and and we make discoveries about each other that we don't—you know—professional colleagues that really don't know each other at all mm-hmm. personally, yeah. and have one of those kind of. Uh, things where you discover things uh, that are unexpected about each other. To an extent, that's what uh, Inquisition was. I thought for a, for yes. a uh, clip show, Inquisition was also very, mm-hmm. I, I'm afraid to say well-crafted, because one of, when I oh, said, yeah, said well-crafted in an interview, and I got so busted <laughs> that I clearly do not know what well-crafted is. So I've, I'm abandoning the expression well-crafted because... A guy like me who's been in enough well-crafted television, I should recognize should know what well-crafted, well-crafted is. is. Yeah, I, I don't. That. I think I won't, I won't use well-crafted anymore. But whatever an analogy for well-crafted is, you could fill in the blank. That's what <laughs> I thought Inquisition was for a clip show. Yeah. And the fact that Woolsey's prior life as an attorney was, mm-hmm. was what saved the day. I thought that was pretty funny. Well, I thought it was interesting in going in. It's like, okay, here's the episode where Woolsey shows that he's no longer on the side. On, yeah, from the IOA's perspective anymore, he's now a part of the team, you know. And, and then we go in to the scene, and he says, now I know what that court is like. I can play their game. I'm right. going to play hardball with them, and I'm not necessarily going to make all the all the morally and ethically good decisions oh, no. to get yeah. my team out of jail. Right. No, he's, he's, he's being strictly a political animal. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, and uh, Having seen that, I think uh, Woolsey is ready to run for uh, governor of uh, Illinois. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, now that he's, if he's not, I mean, he's going to be the commander of Stargate, but on a part-time basis. Yes. You know what I mean? Like maybe two <laughs> weeks a year. So the other 50 weeks of the year, he's free to take some sort of other, uh, you know, position. Tell us about working with the Planetary Society. I have been on the advisory board of the Planetary Society for about seven or eight years. I originally helped them with a fundraiser where I uh, did some readings from Ray Bradbury's Martian Chronicles yeah. in honor of Mr. Bradbury who yeah. was there in attendance that night with such other actors you may have heard of as the late Charlton Heston uh, John Reese davies Tim Russ some guy I guess who was on some show um, <laughs> and, uh, and at that point or shortly thereafter uh, Louis Friedman one of the founders along with uh, Carl Sagan and Bruce Murray mm. uh, asked me to be on the advisory board recognizing that my uh recognizability with the science fiction audience would be helpful made sense to to remind yeah to remind people that hey if you're interested in science fiction maybe you're interested in the real thing and if you if you like to dream about space exploration well why not find Mm -hmm. out exactly what we're doing now and what we're Mm -hmm. what we're going to 
hopefully do during your lifetime. Mm-hmm. So uh, it sounded like uh, something that was not only worthwhile, the mission of the Planetary Society, uh, which I encourage all of you to go to their website, www.planetary.org. And if you're a Bob Picardo fan and you join the Planetary Society because of me, which is what, like 25 bucks, then when you come up to me at a personal appearance, I will say or do something wonderful. I will be very grateful because I have brought a number of people to the Planetary Society, according to people who come and tell me at uh, conventions and whatnot. Were you aboard at, at the time of the Columbia disaster? Was I? Uh, was you were I, part of the planetary oh, society yes. at that point? Yeah, absolutely. Was, was a, how did that affect the the group? I mean, it it, it put a halt on on space uh, space travel and 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 scientific progress for a while. Oh, absolutely. Well, you have to remember that. I mean, uh, yes, it was a terrible, terrible tragedy, and and it did uh, interrupt the the obviously the progression of the. The schedule of, of future shuttle missions for about, I think, uh, two years, right? Yeah. 18 months, two years. You know, it, you have so many successful missions in a row that there's a tendency to forget the danger. It's the same thing that happened when, you know, when the, the, Challenger, the Challenger exploded, and, and that was the first time they carried a civilian on any of those shuttle yeah. missions. So that was, that, that was a, you know, just, we have so many great successes in our in our um, space program, and now that we're not the only space program in town, with you know with other other exciting missions that other uh, countries are are um, creating and sponsoring, that that there's a tendency to forget you know, how dangerous it can be. Mm-hmm. But we realize that we that we stand on the shoulders of you know of of the of the talented and courageous people that, you know, throughout the whole history of, of, uh, of NASA mm-hmm. that have been part of that dream since Sputnik was launched. Yeah. And, uh, and you have to take the, you have to grieve for the tragedies but celebrate the tremendous successes. I had the honor of uh, hearing um, the new president of the of the Planetary Society, Jim Bell, who is the imaging director for um, Spirit and Opportunity, the the, uh, the two um, uh, Mars rovers yeah. that have that have outlasted now their original mission to the tune of uh, four years and and uh, I think four years and nine months. They've exceeded their warranty. Jim Bell and, and uh, my friend Bill Nye uh, yeah. uh, spoke locally here in Pasadena at a benefit for the Planetary Society, which I was at on this past uh, Wednesday night, had dinner with Jim after, and we were talking about really the importance of, of how the Planetary Society really, you know, how it can continue to capture mm-hmm. the, uh, Imagination. the imaginations of, uh, of, of people who are just passionate about the future of space travel. And and because you know it's it's harder and harder uh, since the internet to uh, to to get people to to, to join important institutions like the mm-hmm. Planetary Society. They mm-hmm. you know they'll go to the website and they'll check it out and they'll look at the pictures. And go, this is really cool. And then go on but, to go on Britain to the next Spears thing. Or, yeah, it's a, it's a small amount of money. It's a very important organization yeah. too. And I encourage uh, 
I encourage you that uh, to uh, to consider joining. What's in store for you down the road? You're watching your kids grow up, you know, still auditioning, still acting? Still uh, auditioning, looking for interesting, you know, and fun things to do for middle-aged bald guys. Mm-hmm. Although if you watch uh, Ask Alfonso on the internet, you see that I still have a closet full of wigs that I can still pull out. <laughs> yeah, I saw you with Ronan's wig. That was great. Yeah, I, that I picture have... was up on, on MGM's Stargate oh, site. That was great. I forgot was about funny. that. Yeah. Little guy next to the big guy. Little guy has a big long wig on. It's, it was funny. So, as I said, if I had uh, my dream would be to do uh, either a, a play or a musical in the near future, continue working in film and television, uh, and uh, be at my kids' college graduations. Mm-hmm. Long term, um, do you plan on staying in, in Southern California? Are you plan on resettling so. somewhere? I think so. California is a very seductive place, you know. I said to my wife, I'm afraid, I don't know that I want to die in California because I'm afraid I won't notice. <laughs>